The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here. Welcome back to Killers Amongst Us, a production of iHeartMedia and Crime Online. Sarah Stern, her car found abandoned late at night on a remote bridge, New Jersey. What you'll hear in this episode is shocking. Undercover video comes to light. With us again, Sarah's dad, Michael Stern, who has fought so much pain to get through this investigation. Also with me, local reporter on the story from the get-go, Alex Napoliello. With me also, lead detective on the case, Brian Weisbrot. Monmouth County Prosecutor Christopher Grimiccioni. Also with us, renowned L.A. psychoanalyst Dr. Bethany Marshall. Right now, police working under the theory Sarah did not commit suicide or just run off that will quickly become apparent as police get a call from a local teen who offers up a suspect on a silver platter. But is it real? Let's pick up the story right now. What's the extent of your relationship? Uh, I would say we're pretty close friends. Um, was she ever your girlfriend? No. Sarah's friends and family portray her as this happy-go-lucky girl that never had any reason to say she would hurt herself or hurt someone else. But Liam portrays a different picture. Does she ever talk about liking guys or not that I know of girls? No. She has been known to obsess over girls in the past, though. He talks about an ex-girlfriend of his, Maggie, who Sarah became obsessed with. She just would always say stuff like, Maggie, if you don't come here right now, I'm going to kill myself. During his interview with detectives, Liam also asks them this question. One thing I, I want to talk to you guys about was um, if she, she did jump off the bridge. 
what are the odds that she's not somewhere all the way out in the ocean by now? Nancy Grace, killers amongst us. Liam McAtasney's smiling in Sarah and Michael's face. But what's he doing the rest of the time? Preston Taylor, I can't get a read on Preston Taylor. He seems like the sidekick to Liam McAtasney. So to Detective Brian Weisbrot, you leave with a very uneasy feeling, bad, a bad feeling, after you speak to Preston Taylor. Why? Uh, well, the information that Preston um, had provided to us was, uh, uh, in essence, uh, completely consistent with what uh, Liam had shared with us. Uh, so we were basically left with the same feeling. Um, we didn't know, um, you know, what happened to Sarah. We didn't know if there was any foul play involved. Um, there were certainly um, red flags that raised our suspicion, but really, really didn't have anything um, directly in front of us at that point. And our efforts were focused on uh, trying to talk to as many people as we could uh, in an effort to find her. Joining me, Alex Napoliello, crime and court reporter for NJ.com and Star Ledger. Alex, how many times have we seen a case or you've covered a case where you just know somebody did it? Let's just take Scott Peterson, for example. Okay, we all knew he did it, but there had to be proof. And then sometimes you're wrong and you get uh, a, a complete curveball. Have you ever felt that feeling that you know somebody did it? There's just not proof. Yeah, I, I don't. You know, it's just a feeling you get sometimes when you're covering these cases from the start. Something just doesn't seem right. And uh, although the answer may not be right there in front of you from the beginning, it's just a, a feeling in the back of your head. You start to look at maybe family members or people close to the victims, and they start showing strange behaviors, acting acting strange, maybe not showing the emotions that one would expect them to show. And, and you kind of just know that something's not right. And, you know, Christopher Gramiccioni, veteran prosecutor, defense attorneys will tell you till they're blue in the face. That doesn't prove anything. And you know what? They're right and they're wrong. Not anything tangible. But humans, the human species is thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. And we have instincts, instincts we can't even identify, like when the hair goes up on the back of your neck or you get chill bumps or you have a, a feeling that something's wrong, but you don't know why. We call it gut feelings, but it's, it's not a gut feeling. It's based on something you're noticing, maybe something imperceptible. What do you make of these two stories? Uh, I, Nancy, I think it's precisely that. There are certain things that as humans, there's certain common sense and understanding of regular and routine things in life that just made Detective Weisbrot pause and say, something's not right here. May, and ultimately made jurors feel the same way. So you're right. I mean, there's certain hunches, call it what you will. It just, it's a sense, like a sixth sense of sort that causes you to maybe look at another investigative step or maybe go in a particular different direction. And speaking of a different direction, months pass tick-tock, tick-tock every day until this case is solved makes it harder to find out what happened. Where is teen girl Sarah Stern? Every minute that passes, witnesses disappear. Witnesses pass away. Witnesses go on the lam. Evidence is destroyed. Evidence is lost. 
every day counts. Months begin to pass when, just like Alex Napoliello and I were talking, a curveball. Out of nowhere, believe it or not, a film director? It had been two months, and then... Then a young man in Brooklyn, New York, called his dad back in Neptune City, said he was desperate for some parental advice. His name was Anthony Curry. He was 19 years old, a high school classmate of Sarah's, who'd moved to New York to fulfill a lifelong ambition to make movies. But that night, he was very troubled. And when his dad, Eddie, heard why, he called Detective Mike Bonanno. I know the family very well. Known Anthony since he was young. And Eddie was concerned that he had some information on this, what may have happened to Sarah. I was shocked. Detectives met with Anthony and his dad. The young man told them about a spooky conversation with a mutual friend of his and Sarah's. It took place on Thanksgiving evening, he said, eight days before Sarah vanished. The friend told Anthony a horrifying tale about a plan that he had um, to rob Sarah of her money and to kill her, strangle her, and throw her over the bridge. And how did Anthony take this? As a as a real thing or what? No, he dismissed it. You're hearing from our friends at Dateline NBC. Okay, so now Christopher Gramiccioni, Detective Brian Weisbrot, now you're in a conundrum because here's a kid that shows up. He wants to be a film director. He's all about uh, hitting the big time. Do you believe him? Or do you not believe him? What about it, Detective? Uh, we absolutely believed uh, Anthony Curry. He, he came across extremely credible. Uh, and um, more importantly, I, I think uh, what I took out of the interview uh, with him was that um, his um, uh, the level of, uh, you know, he was very nervous. He was very concerned. He was very uh, concerned about uh, the fact that Liam uh, was attempting to, to contact him and get in communication with him constantly uh, since Sarah's disappearance. Uh, and once we had spoken with him, obviously our, our, the first, our first step was to determine how we were going to be able to corroborate the information that, uh, that Anthony had provided to us. I don't know how you guys did it, but somehow you get this kid, this uh, Anthony Curry, the aspiring film director, to get wired. Listen. But Anthony did get the guy to agree to meet in person. Maybe he'd open up then. I'll see you The location, this parking area aside the boardwalk in Bradley Beach, desolate in the dead of winter. Investigators wired up Anthony's car. We do set up the car for audio and and video. Was there a little camera in there? There there was was a camera in there. But if their suspect was a killer, what might he do to Anthony if he suspected a trap? Though they knew this was dangerous, they tailed Anthony's car. We had surveillance units on either side. We were monitoring everything live. It was just before midnight when Anthony drove towards the meet point. Anthony parked. And minutes later, their suspect climbed into the car. Good, Lenny. What's happening, buddy? How you doing? You You want a cigarette? No, I'm good. I quit them. It was Liam McIntasney, Sarah's friend. The guy who'd spent the day with her a few hours before she vanished. Our friend Keith Morrison at Dateline NBC. So now you've got this kid, a teen boy himself, putting his neck on the line. He's got his car wired up. Brilliant, Detective Weisbrot and Christopher Gramiccioni, prosecutor. How you got him to do it? 
I don't know. Because if he's telling the truth, he's in a desolate, remote parking lot with a cold-blooded killer. And its car is wired up for sound. Take a listen to this. All right, so I'm hanging out with her. She has, we, we went to the bank. She took some money out, not all of her money. We're counting it out, and then she goes to walk out the front door. I choke her out, drag her. My biggest problem was the dog, and her dog laid there and watched as I killed her. Didn't do anything. Nobody was there? No, nobody was there. Even her dad wasn't there. He was in Florida. Yeah, you said that he was in Florida. So, I have to leave. I dropped my phone at Sarah's house. My phone was at Sarah's house. Like, wait, you left your phone? Yeah, I lost it. I couldn't find it. I had to go to work. I had timed everything out so that... Why did you take your phone? You should have left it in your fucking pocket. Dude. What were you doing? Strangling someone. I choke her out, drag her in the back, put her in the bathroom. And then I had to go straight to work. So Preston came over, took the body, put it in the bushes. And then I was at work. I had a full, like, night of work. Except I left work a couple times, which looks sketchy. To look for my phone, though, which is a reasonable, like, thing to do. You don't look for your phone. Which is kind of, like, me losing my phone is kind of a good thing. Because the cops are like, oh, he's hanging out there. He lost the phone. His phone, he's going back and forth between his house looking for Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm hanging out with her. She has, we, we went to the bank, she took some money out, not all of her money. We're counting it out, and then she goes to walk out the front door. I choke her out, drag her. My biggest problem was the dog, and her dog laid there and watched as I killed her. Didn't do anything. Nobody was there? No, nobody was there. Even her dad wasn't there. He was in Florida. Yeah, you said that he was in Florida. So, I have to leave. I dropped my phone at Sarah's house. My phone was at Sarah's house. Like, wait, you left your phone? Yeah, I lost it. I couldn't find it. I had to go to work. I had timed everything out so that... Why did you take your phone? You should have left it in your fucking pocket. Dude. What were you doing? Strangling someone. I choke her out, drag her in the back, put her in the bathroom. 
and then I had to go straight to work. So Preston came over, took the body, put it in the bushes, and then I was at work. I had a full like night of work, except I left work a couple times, which looks sketchy. To look for my phone though, which is a reasonable like thing to do. Yeah, you don't your phone. Which it, it's kind of like me losing my phone is kind of a good thing because the cops are like, oh, he's hanging out out there. He lost his phone. His phone. He's going back and forth between his house looking for it. Oh my stars! When I am hearing the so-called best friend. One of the three musketeers, Leah McAtasney, talking about choking Sarah dead, this beautiful girl, mocking her dog for watching the murder and doing nothing. That's what he focuses on, the dog and losing his cell phone. It's like Sarah doesn't even count. She's not even a factor in this. Michael Stern I I hate that I had to play that for you to hear the way they regarded Sarah. It was horrible. You know, I I didn't see it. I knew a lot of which was on the tape prior to that, but it was really over a year before I got to uh, see it, and I didn't see it until uh, it was presented to the court at the trial. So it, it it just uh, it just broke my heart. I've never felt such deep pain before. You know, Michael, I, I know it sounds crazy to a lot of people, but I've had the chance over all these years, if I wanted to, to delve more deeply into my fiance's murder to go to the crime scene. I, I just can't stand it. I don't want to read the trial transcript. I don't want to go to that scene. Because it, it just opens up everything all over again. I got a question for you, Detective Weisbrot. When you hear this secret audio recording that the teen boy Curry makes, you, you, you've got to be reeling in shock just at the callousness. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, as you know, Nancy, we were listening live during that conversation. Uh, it was beyond disturbing. Uh, it was very difficult to listen to. Um, it was absolutely disgusting uh, the way he spoke about his childhood friend, let alone any human being. Tell me about you listening to it live as it was happening, Detective. Uh, it was, um, again, it was it was beyond disturbing. Um, it, uh, it, it made me sick uh, listening to it, how, how uh, Liam, uh, his, Sarah's childhood friend, could uh, talk about her death the way he did. Uh, void of any emotion, um, how anyone could talk about anyone's life, uh, the way he spoke about Sarah's uh, during that uh, conversation. Um, it was uh, it was truly um, horrible uh, having to listen to that. Where were you listening when this recording was going down live in a desolate parking area? Uh, so we were uh, we were in a vehicle uh, just a short distance away uh, from where the actual meeting took place. Uh, the conversation happened on the uh, the beachfront. It was uh, Ocean Avenue and Bradley Beach, which is uh, uh, right in front of the the beach. Um, and we were uh, just on a side street, um, just down the road. Well, it doesn't end there. Listen. My plan was for me. I underestimated my own strength and how much a dead body would weigh. Because it's, it's lightweight. Yeah, 
I got up on top of the bridge to throw it off. My, my plan was I was going to throw it off, run over, jump over the divider and get in the person's car. And I go up, open the door, unhook her, pull her out, start dragging her to throw her over, and then cars start coming up. I see, like, headlights coming. I try to get her over, and I can't my leg up. Like, the weight from her body, like, made me fall, and my leg, like, went up. So now I'm limping, my leg's up, and there's three cars coming up. So I grab her body. Dude, I had superhuman strength, and I threw it in the car, and I picked it up, and her feet were up here, and her foot, was, her, head, her head was down there, and three cars go by, and I'm losing my because that easily could have been a cop. Mm. And then, I mean, the police station is like right there. Yeah, yeah. And then Preston comes over the bridge, goes around, makes a U-turn, comes up behind me. The two of us throw the body over. And then we grab. Uh, you, you were hearing best friend Leah McAtasney describing trying to throw this girl's body off a bridge, how cars kept driving by, and he was panicking. He describes it in such detail, but nothing is more chilling than him describing the murder of Sarah Stern. I pretty much hung her. Like, I just, I picked her up and had her just, like, dangling right off the ground, and she just pissed herself, and said my name, and then that was it. And it took me a half an hour to kill her. I thought I was going to be able to choke her out and have her out in, like, a couple minutes. I choked her out, and then she was just laying there having a seizure or something. So then I just, I had to... I got a shirt and I just shoved it down her throat so she wouldn't throw up or anything and held my finger over her nose and set a timer. That's the only time I had my phone. And it took me like a half an hour after I hit start on the timer. This, this is the thing about, like, heights. There's so much that you can't account for. You don't know. Yeah. The way he describes in such cold blood about killing this teen girl, Sarah Stern. But why? Why did he do it? The worst part of it is, I thought I was walking out 50 grand, 100 grand in my pocket. She had one safe and she took money out and she only had 10 grand. And this money, I don't know if it was burnt or something. actually complains about how little money he ended up getting. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. 
With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. To Monmouth County Prosecutor Christopher Gramiccioni, is it just that simple? They wanted the money? question to myself over and over ever since this case occurred and we we were able to get that video recording and i i the only answer i have is i think there's sometimes there's just pure evil in the world and this is one of those instances um clearly he had a financial motive Uh, he thought there was going to be money to the tune of a hundred or some thousand dollars um as i understand it he liked to use that money he wanted to use that money towards Beating a marijuana habit, but I just, I can't get my arms around this to this day, how somebody could literally choke the life out of one of his dear friends just for money. To Sarah's dad, Michael Stern, joining us. Michael, it's not like there was a sudden angry argument and he pushed her down the steps. He says it took 30 minutes to choke her. 30 minutes. Our Every time I hear that, I just get upset. I just can't believe he did it. The pain never ends for me. I try to keep myself together. It's not easy sometimes. You know, I can't believe he did it either. I can't take in that they, at this young age, it's very rare to see this type of premeditated murder amongst teens. At, at, at this young age, after going all the way through school together, the accomplice, Preston Taylor, being the prom date, for Pete's sake, it almost defies everything you think you know about human relations. I mean. Chris Camiccioni, county prosecutor, you know, you and I are used to, you know, domestic homicides where typically the man gets angry, kills his wife or his lover, his girlfriend, and you, you know your killer. The killer is known. You're in a relationship. But something like this, it, people ask me this all the time, but let me ask you, Chris Camiccioni, how do you do it? Because this is contrary to everything we think we know about love and friendship. I, I ask myself that question all the time, Nancy, how, how you could lie in wait, premeditate and deliberate to take steps to kill a dear friend and, and then take steps to try to conceal that crime from the police and everyone else. I, I often wonder if this guy is just a sociopath. Um, 
we can't find any indicators that that would demonstrate that he was raised in any particularly bad environment. We're always trying to figure out what might have caused this, but like I just I come back to the fact that sometimes there's just pure and unadulterated evil in the world. People do heinous and horrible things, and I I wish I had better explanation for you. It's just completely tragic. This is one of the saddest cases we've seen. I got to tell you something, Chris. I sometimes I just get overwhelmed, overwhelmed with I mean, I know that most people are good. I know that. But when I hear Michael Stern crying about the it just I'm overwhelmed. I feel like a a huge tide of just evil washes over me and of all people, her bestie. And then there's the prom date, Preston Taylor. We know what happened to Sarah. We know what your involvement in, in it was. We want to know why Liam did what he did. What did he do? He killed Sarah. Okay. okay. You know that, correct? Yes, correct. Okay. I don't know if I've ever seen anyone confess that quickly. I mean, that, that's really yeah. the reality of what happened with Preston Taylor. And then he just goes on for, you know, 52 pages or something in a transcript of describing everything that they did. I got home just as he was getting ready to run out the door for work. He was like, dude, I did it. What did you take that to mean? Killed Sarah. Said that her body was still at the house. You know, I'm just trying to take in not only the depth of evil, of best friend, Liam McAtasney, but how he managed to rope in somebody else. I mean, you know, Dr. Daniel Bober, I need a shrink, and I need one now. Bober, if somebody walked up to me and said, hey, uh, let's murder your good friend, your producer, Jackie, all right, because she's got uh, blah, 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 blah. Who in their right mind would say, awesome idea? Who? You know, Nancy, the, Truman Capote wrote this book, In Cold Blood, which I'm sure you know. And there are just sometimes when you get two people together and one person is the weaker person uh, who is led by the stronger person. And this is someone who clearly, even before the murder, didn't have any conscience, any remorse, any connection to human beings, or at least, you know, that's what came out in the end. So I think this is who he was from the beginning. And it seems bizarre that he would just do this for money, but I don't think he had a conscience to begin with. You know, to Alex Napoliello, Crime and Court reporter, NJ.com, Star Ledger. Alex, out of the blue, this case was totally stalled. The cops had this bad feeling about McAtasney and Taylor, but it didn't break until some kid out of nowhere pops up who wants to be a film director. For a minute, I'd be worried this was just part of his one of, one of his uh, ideas for a short film, you know? So, what did you think when you learn out of nowhere, like a comet, comes Curry? Yeah, I mean, this was uh, clearly the smoking gun. Um, obviously, prosecutors had evidence, but to get the suspect on tape confessing to the crime in the detail that Liam McTasney did, I mean, this, this made everything. And then Preston gets brought up during this conversation, so police are able to quickly go to Preston get him in a room, get him talking. He confesses to everything. So really, without Anthony Curry, I don't know if prosecutors have as strong as, of a case as they did here. Well, I got to tell you something to Christopher Gramiccioni, Monmouth County prosecutor. 
and Detective Brian Weisbrock, uh, the detective working this case. You guys were working so hard, but I believe, I believe this was divine intervention. I do. Because without Curry coming forward just out of left field, this would never have been solved, even with all of your painstaking investigation. Listen. From 11.45 p.m. to 2.46 a.m., all had faith. Correct. Five's going out. Five's going out the whole time. Yeah, so it would have taken about 53 minutes to drift from the, uh, the bridge to the uh, left. Okay, so... Your conclusion based upon that calculation was that it would take 53 minutes for something to drift from the southbound side of the bridge to the exit of the Shark River Inlet? Yes. So 53 minutes. Uh, an object dri- dropped in the uh, uh, the Shark River and then exiting into the ocean would have traveled uh, 10 kilometers uh, offshore within 24 hours of uh, the latest uh, time period given to me by the prosecutor's office. Two. Based upon your analysis, the, the conclusion with respect to where the body or where something would drift to was that it would drift to 24 hours, 10 kilometers off the coast. Correct. And that's how many miles? Uh, seven miles. So seven miles within how many hours? 24 hours. You are hearing expert testimony in court. While McAtasney and Taylor both convicted, Sarah has never been found. To Michael Stern, Sarah's dad, I, I don't know if you can even put words to this, but how do you cope with the fact that Sarah's remains, Sarah, has never been found? Well, since she went missing, it's all I hope for that we could find her or at least recover her body. But, you know, I talked to a lot of fishermen and boat captains and people that knew the waters and the way the streams, the um, tidal waters were and the, the way things went offshore, it, it it just became hopelessness after a while. And, and I, I have no closure and uh, I'll never get closure. It's It's been two and a half years and uh, the chances of finding her body you know, uh, have slipped away every day after after a week or so, and uh, after all this time, it just there's just no hope that uh, I'll ever have any closure. And it's very sad and disheartening, and it hurts every day. To Michael Stern, Sarah's dad. Sarah is everything I would want my child to be. She's not just beautiful on the outside, but beautiful on the inside. That didn't just happen, Michael. That comes from a dad who took over when mom passed away with cancer and raised her to be the beautiful, young, wonderful, brilliant woman she was becoming. I've got a feeling that right now, Sarah is listening to us. I just feel it. I hope so. When you talk to Sarah, when you speak out to her, what do you say? Just tell her, I miss her every day, how much I love her. And what's your message to parents 
listening right now, millions of parents of children of all ages, infancy to teenagers to children that have grown up and moved away, what are your messages to mom and dad right now? It's just to be very careful who your friends are. Watch your children. Be careful who they're with. and Find out as much as you can about the people that they're around. You just never know. And just keep an eye on them because it's, it can happen to anybody. This is just the most bizarre thing that, you know, I've ever encountered. And even, even with all the things that have gone on in the world, it just, this, this is just a, a totally baffling scenario of how everything took place. And you just have to be careful who's, who's with your children and who's with you because you just never know. And if something seems something seems like it's not right, it probably isn't. And you should really evaluate the people around you and, and be very cautious. A harsh message, but true. And I'm taking your words to heart, Michael Stern. Michael Stern, Alex Napoliello, Dr. Daniel Bober, Detective Weisbrot, Christopher Gomicioni. Thank you for being with us. Goodbye, friend. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. 
So the only person who will know you have a Zin Pouch in is you. Visit Zin.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zin. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. 